in Job's story, we hear him questioning God many times. But there is only silence until now. Here, God responds. Oh, how we can relate to the silence of God. How many times have we railed at God? Why, Lord, why? Why don't you swoop down on the eagle's wings and rescue me? Why don't you change this obstinate person who is causing me so much grief, so much pain? Why don't you change the world so we don't have to suffer so much injustice and heartbreak? Never mind that the troubles of this world have, in the main, been caused by mankind. Nevertheless, would we have liked the answer God gave to Job? Who is this that questions me with words without knowledge? Followed by, gird up your loins like a man or as one commentator put it, pull up your diaper. Immediately, we are transported to today's gospel where the sons of Zebedee are asking Jesus for privileged positions to sit at his right and his left side when he comes to his kingdom. But the future will be different for Job than for James and John. For Job, girding up his loins will bring him to a better place and a stronger faith. For James and John, the immediate future will get much darker, will be more painful before they get to that place where they sit with Jesus in his kingdom. Yet all of them will have passed through the valley of suffering. They, through their suffering, will, like Jesus, learn obedience and gain strength. We'll glimpse a little more clearly a plan, God's plan. Like Job, James and John are asking in ignorance. They are still caught up in their own idea of Jesus' kingdom. What he is conveying, as we well know with our 2020 vision, is his death. And they're going on without his earthly presence. That future, at this moment, is unimaginable to them incomprehensible. Could you have imagined going on without your son or daughter? Life without your parent or spouse? Isn't that one of the reasons why grief is so strong? In fact, a few days ago on NPR, there was a program on how our desires interfere with our view of reality. That's what James and John were doing, converting what is unimaginable 
to what is imaginable, to what in their view, their dream, their desire for a future with Jesus' leadership will look like. They convert what he is preparing them for to what is imaginable. Jesus must therefore be talking about the glorious vision of his rule here on earth, the end of Roman oppression and the end of the leadership of the legalistic Pharisees. Otherwise, they can't make sense out of what Jesus is saying. Jesus, modeling the priesthood of all believers, which, beloved, is you, gently explains that at times life will be tough, that there will be suffering and pain. Yet suffering is our teacher, one like no other. The writer of Hebrews notes that Jesus, in the days of his flesh, offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became, became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Wait a minute. Jesus prays to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard. How can that be? He prayed to be saved, yet he died. How can one say he was heard? Well, let's return to Mark and find out what exactly he did say. Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I want, but what you want. What our Father heard and what Jesus the Son intended, wanted him to hear, was his submission to the greater wisdom of the Father. It is the same lesson we learn from Abraham as he prepared to give ultimate obedience to God. Yet Abraham is only the forerunner, the foreshadowing of the Christ. Yes, Abraham teaches us that our Father desires our obedience, for through that obedience we become humble, sympathetic to the human condition because we learn and understand our own weaknesses, because we ourselves know our own sins and imperfections. We know our ignorance of God's greater plan. Jesus, in his humanity, 
learned this, and thus becomes what none of us, beloved, is able to be. Jesus is our great high priest, our intercessor, our savior, the one who has fully, who was fully, completely obedient, even unto death. Jesus is the one who opens the door between the perfect and the imperfect, between the, the war that sometimes rages within our own breasts, and the one who can bring us to perfect peace and joy. Jesus opens the door between the sacred and the profane, between holy and human. Back to Job, James, John, and the other ten disciples. How they remind us of ourselves. There are times in our ignorance we cannot see and therefore cannot imagine how those things we suffer can teach us lessons that will serve us and others well. Lessons that will help us give back to God what through Jesus has been so freely, so exorbitantly poured out upon us. Jesus teaches us how to live, how to love, and who to love. Let's take a symbolic look at the Godhead. Years ago, when I'm visiting a church, I saw a banner that was, to me, simple, but breathtaking in what it symbolized. I've asked my daughter to help me to recreate it as best we could on paper. First, take a minute to take in your own impression of it. And then I'll share my impression of it with you. To me, this symbolizes the Father pouring out self-emptying love on the, on the Son. It shows the Son pouring out self-emptying love on the Holy Spirit. It shows the Holy Spirit pouring out self-emptying love on you, on me, on all of us. But since the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are one, it shows them all pouring out self-emptying love on all of us. And it shows me something else because I don't believe the symbolism stops there. I spoke earlier of the priesthood of all believers. This means that all of us, not just the ordained, it means that each of you has a ministry. And I hope that you found it by now. One of the phrases that jumped out at me when I was preparing this homily was Jesus' reverent submission. 
Jesus is our great high priest because of his reverent submission. In all things, he went to his Abba, his Father, and ours in prayer. Thus his teachings, his sufferings, his whole life, his entire being was an offering to us, to you, to me, to all of us. He is our way, our truth, our light. We are called to be followers, to walk in his footsteps. And so the symbolism of this pouring out of love must continue. And you and I, on whom all this love is poured out, are called to do the same, to, be, to do the continuing. We too are called to be priests, to pour out our self-emptying love upon those in our world. Not just family, not just friends, but the seemingly unlovable, those who are hurtful, those who don't measure up, all who enter our sphere. And by doing so, this circle is formed. Every person that we, you and I, touch with sanctifying love as we walk in Jesus' shoes is our love poured out to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, to the one God. Because the only way that we can give back to God, to the Trinity, is by loving one another. Now back to Job, to James and John, and to the other ten who got angry at James and John for their presumption, and to you and to me. We, in our ignorance, often forget, fail. Sometimes we don't even try to walk in Jesus' footsteps. Again, why is Jesus our high priest? because he has walked in our shoes. He has been tempted, he has been tired, he has dealt with the seemingly unlovable, the hurtful, the ignorant, the uncaring, the fools. And if we stop and think about it, at times are we not all of these? And how does he see them and us? We are all his. We are all loved. He went to the cross for all of us. He never considers any one of us lost. Only contrary. Only needy of more love. Until the lost lamb 
sees the light. We are not Jesus. We cannot do it all. Some people we can only take to Jesus in prayer. But as we live our lives, as we face our own trials and temptations and weaknesses, I hope that this symbolism will inspire you in your own ministries, that you will see the face of Jesus, beloved, in even the weakest of those who enter your circle of life. Amen.